The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for the 2015 April's Leaders Retreat. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. today, Lord, even bringing out the sunshine like it looks like you're doing. And God, I thank you for these men and women. I thank you that you've called them um, to STP this summer, Lord, and it isn't by chance um, or even their choosing, Lord. You you brought them here, Lord. So I ask that you would grow them. I pray that even in this talk, they would um, be reminded of the gospel and of truth and um, God, that you would use these men and women um, and grow them incredibly. So I ask these things in your son's name. Amen. So my name is Nikki. I think I might know almost everybody. I think I know everybody here, which feels pretty fun. Um, and I love this retreat. I love Project. I, that's probably my favorite thing all year, um, which I don't know if I should say that. Part of me feels like maybe I should love like some freshman retreats or things like that. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> but I, I love this room. I think that this is the room that I'd want to do battle with. You guys are walking with the Lord, and we get to come alongside each other and partner in the gospel, and that's something that makes my heart so excited. So I'm really glad you're here, um, and I'm pumped. I love this retreat. It's awesome. Um, and one of the things that we ask you to do this summer is to have one-on-ones with the people in your room or if you're a team leader on your team, um, even if you're going on a CCP or in the cities, um, we ask you to have one-on-ones. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, I'm going to be talking about formal one-on-ones, um, and Chuck is going to cover informal one-on-ones. Um, and the goal of a formal one-on-one is to build a relationship with the aim to point someone towards Jesus. So it's a friendship that has a clear aim and direction towards the cross. If you go to Northwestern, you should recognize this bad boy. Um, this chart right here is all these little arrows are symbolized people. Um, and every person in the world is moving in a direction. So they're either moving towards the cross or they're moving away from the cross. And our desire for the summer is that um, our desire for the summer is that we would move people towards the cross um, or help them see the cross. In reality, is we can't change hearts, but in the context of one-on-ones and giving your life away, we do ask that you'd be a pointer, so their arrow would be swayed um, because of their interaction with you. So, if you take away two things, um, or this is these are the only two things you write down, I want you to take away these two things. Um, At the core of a one-on-one, it involves two things, listening and asking good questions. So listening and asking good questions. The first point, how do we ask good questions? Um, Proverbs 25 says the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Our desire for the summer is that you would draw out hearts. That's the point. So we're pointing people towards the cross and helping draw out their hearts. And how to do that? is asking questions. Um, There's someone that came and talked to our staff team and taught us about how to ask questions, and he gave two specific types of questions that we can ask. The first one is shotgun, and the second is rifle. Um, how many of you are hunters? Anyone? Yeah, one, two, yes, three, two and a half. Um, so a shotgun shell, for those of you that don't know, it's this casing, and it's made up of all these little BBs. Um, that when you shoot it, it sprays. So if you're shooting at something like a bird that flies sporadic, you have a greater chance of hitting it. 
Um, they're little BBs that spray. Um, my dad actually used to make them, and I feel like I'm a little part redneck, but he used to make them in our basement, and we used to have all these BBs laying around. But um, shotgun questions are open-ended, broad questions that spray like a shotgun shell. Um, they're usually used at the beginning of the summer to get to know somebody. Um, they're used to make people feel included or comfortable or get them talking. Uh, an example of a shotgun question would be, tell me about your family. What's your favorite type of food? Um, where are you from? So they're kind of broad questions. Where rifle, on the other hand, a rifle bullet <coughs> is used to kill. It's one thing that's shot out of a gun and it's used to kill or penetrate whatever it's shooting at. Um, so rifle questions would be questions that are specific, targeted towards the heart. Um, they usually come after asking a shotgun question. Uh, they're usually used later in the summer or after you've got getting to know somebody at like a certain point um, or you're familiar with somebody. Uh, an example of them would be, hey, when I asked you about your family, you mentioned that your parents are divorced. How did that make you feel growing up? So you see the difference, like, hey, tell me about your family versus a specific question based on their response, so shotgun rifle. So what I want you to do right now is turn to the person that you're next to or a couple people, and I want to take the next couple minutes and I want you to practice asking them a shotgun question and then practice answering or asking them a rifle question too. Where are you from? I'm from the Oh, really?
Okay, who has an example of a shotgun question that they can share? So Mark and I are talking and say she was in my room and I was like, hey Mark, like I saw you went to Bethel. Like, tell me about Bethel. It's a great question. Observant. It's a great, great thing to do. What else? Tell me about your family. Yeah. This is a good question. <laughs> yeah. That's a great question to ask. One more. Where are you from? Great question. What about some rifle questions? What do you guys ask each other? What's your deepest, darkest secret that you've ever told anyone? <laughs> that is a kill shot right there. Tell me. Oh, this is definitely a rifle question. Now. What else you got? Like, oh, how'd you feel about that? Yeah. How'd you feel is a great question. It's a really, really great question to ask. One more. Where did you see God moving in that? It's a great question. I feel like you guys are taking them right off my example sheet that I'm going to share. Um, one of the best things that I've done um, and am still learning to do is practice asking questions. I think asking questions doesn't come natural. So I think naturally we're probably more selfish than we can imagine. Um, and we want to talk more than we want to ask questions. So I would challenge you guys to ask or practice asking questions. One of the things that I did my first year on staff um, was I kept a journal and I would write down questions to ask people. Because sometimes even when I got with them, I'd forget. Or I, things that I observed, I'd be like, oh, gosh, I wanted to ask you something. Gosh, what was that? I still, still do that now. Mm -hmm. um, but I would encourage you, write down questions. Think of what you want to know about the other person. Um, and without the aim to grill them or try to fix them, because we know we can't, um, but to be a friend and draw out their heart for the summer. I think if you can focus on the fact that this summer we are asking you to be a friend and point people to Christ, it becomes a lot more simple um, than trying to think, I can't lead a D group or I don't know what I'm doing um, and all this overwhelming stuff. So think of questions to ask, um, practice asking questions, and think of questions ahead of time. Um, I think one of you gave the example, I noticed that you were blah, 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 um, to ask me about it or tell me about it. Um, so take mental notes of something you see or hear, like Becca's question. Notice you're wearing this sweatshirt. You go to that campus. You know, how do you do? You like it? What's going on? What are you majoring in? Like, take mental notes of what you observe. Um, some examples of shotgun questions would be: Where are you from? Why did you come this summer? Where? Are you, what are you hoping to get out of the summer? What's your favorite food? What do you? What sport did you play growing up? What's your family like? Um, what did you enjoy about the talks this week? So you can kind of see their broad questions. And you can use those as a diving board to move into more specific questions like, how did the talk on Thursday hit your heart? What stuck out to you at this and why? Which, sidebar, why is always a really good question to ask. Um, as well as, how'd that make you feel? Those are two really good questions to ask at just about anything. Um, what is your biggest fear with coming this summer? When our roommate said this, how did that make you feel? I noticed that you looked pretty sad when she said that or he said that. Tell me what's going on in your heart. Um, and finally, what is the promise of God you need to hear this week? Or how aren't you trusting the gospel in this? Those are more specific rifle questions. So can you guys kind of see the difference between the two? Um, so the second point I wanted to make, which I shared before, was um, to have a successful formal one-on-one -on -one this summer. Um, or, I think, even as Christians, bigger than this. You need to be a good listener. Um, 
I think our culture is full of um, things that give praise to ourselves. I mean, think about it. We have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, texting, and they're all things that kind of heighten who we are. Like, oh, I have something witty to say. I'm going to post it on Facebook so I can get a bunch of likes. Or you've all seen that Facebook thread that someone writes something that's really over-opinionated and then other people comment back and it's basically like a beat-up session like for this mile-long thread. Um, and I think it's because we'd rather trust in ourselves than listen to what others have to say. Um, and I think we're an over-opinionated, self-stimulated, um, over-stimulated, self-centered culture that's counterintuitive to what the Bible tells us. Um, James 1.19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And Proverbs talks a ton about listening, too. Um, there's two that I have for you. Um, Proverbs 12:15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And Proverbs 18:2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Um, and being a good listener, I think, also trains our ears and hearts to hear God's voice. Um, and it invites humility, because we're quick to want to speak, but how often do we quiet and silence ourselves before the Lord and ask Him what He's thinking? Um, how many of you have heard or read the book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer? came out a couple years ago. Check it, you've been getting shout-outs all day. <laughs> Every time. It's a great book. He was a pastor author who was executed... Um, during World War II. Um, it's a great book. Um, he was quoted to say, he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon no longer be listening to God either. He will be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. This is the beginning of death of the spiritual life. Anyone who thinks that his time is too valuable to spend keeping quiet will eventually have no time for God and his brother, but only for himself and for his own follies. That's convicting. What is the name of the book? Do you, what is the... I just refers to it as yeah. the Bonhoeffer book. <laughs> the Bonhoeffer. It's, it's, it's a super thick book. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a big book. Um, but it's kind of biography. Um, and I think the best example we get of what it means to be a good listener is Jesus. I'd encourage you, read through the Gospels and take note of how Jesus responds to people. I mean, you have the king of the universe here that could easily do whatever he pleases, or instantly impart wisdom to somebody, or do, you know, he can do whatever he pleases, and yet, how he responds to people, we see this in John 4, with the woman at the well, um, he asks them questions, he's patient with them, he's kind to them, um, with the woman at the well, he draws her out by asking her a series of questions, rather than, woman, you know, you don't deserve to be around me, is what he could rightfully say to her, um, but he's patient, and he draws her out. Um, and people don't care what you know until they know that you care. So I have 10 practicals, and then Chuck is going to come up and share about informal one-on-ones. But practical number one, practice listening. So similar to asking questions, practice listening. Like anything else, good listening requires practice. Um, ask questions and practice listening to the response. I think if you can't hear or you can't remember what they said to you, you're probably not doing a good job listening. Um, and that's all happened to us if we're being honest. You ask somebody a question and then you forget about it five minutes later because you're distracted or something happens. So practice. Practice asking questions and listening to the response. Um, number two, think of a place to meet that allows for good listening and good question asking. 
Um, I'm an easily distracted person. Anybody that knows me would, I'm similar to the, oh look, something shiny. Like I get easily <laughs> distracted by things. Um, so when I'm having formal time with somebody, I love to think of a quiet place where I'm not going to be distracted by a lot of talking or things like that. Um, and a place that I know they're going to feel comfortable, the person that I'm asking questions is going to feel comfortable and invited. Um, if you are, well, I'll go to the next one. Um, number three is actively listen. Nod your head, follow along, ask clarifying questions. If you're not a head nodder, I wouldn't go to the extreme and <laughs> give me the bobblehead. Like, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, but I would say if you're not a head nodder, like maybe for a little bit you try it, or maybe you you try body language um, that would say that you're following along with what they're saying, or ask a clarifying question like, hey, when you said that, is this what you meant? Like, you know, ask something that shows them that you're listening. Which for number four is closely related to that. Watch your nonverbals. Um, so again, with your posture, if someone's telling you something, like don't slouch back in your chair, kick up your feet, like kind of look around, stare out the window when they're sharing your heart, or you ask a question, like if I'm, hey Jamari, what's going on today? And I'm like, hey Jamari, what's going on today? <laughs> like he's like, are you even listening? Do you even care? Like watch your nonverbals. Um, and a big one, don't take out your phone. This I think the first year I was on staff, or even as a student. A lot of my one-on-ones, like, the student I was with, I'd ask them a question, they'd take out their phone, like, they'd be taking Twitter pictures, um, Instagram pictures, and doing things like that, and I think, at first, I was probably a little offended. Um, but, the second tendency I had was to take out my phone, too, and play on my phone. I would challenge you to leave your phone at home, leave it in your bag, and even if the person that you're with takes out their phone and is playing on it, I would challenge you to be patient, and wait till they're done, or even ask them about it. Um, and think, how did Jesus respond to people? He drew them out. How can I draw them out, even when they are being disrespectful? Um, number five, be okay with silence. This was also a really huge one for me um, my first year on staff. I think I felt really nervous and uncomfortable when I'd ask a question and it would be like 30 seconds to a minute of silence, and I'd be like, oh, oh gosh, like... I'll just answer it for you, or like things like that. Like that, that's not okay. Um, be okay with the silence. Sometimes the silence is good because it gets someone thinking. And sometimes people need more than one second to respond to a question. A lot of you in here are that way. I'm that way. Um, so give them time. It's okay with silence. And maybe ask a clarifying question, or even ask them address the silence and say hey, is that a hard question for you to answer? Or why, why are, it seems like you need some process time. Do you want, should we ask something else? Like, but then come back to it, um, but be okay with the silence. Number six, you don't need to know the answers. Um, and sometimes the best answer is to say, hey, let's look at the, what the Bible says. I'd say that's probably the best answer. Um, or even more, I'll ask someone, you know, I don't really know the answer to that. Let me go ask someone. Um, it takes humility to even be able to do that. And I think there's something really relatable about someone that's like, hey, I don't know all the answers. Um, and guess what? You are not in this room because you know all the answers. I'm not on staff because I know all the answers. Quite frankly, I'm surprised I'm able to speak up here because I don't know answers and I'm not even gifted at speaking. And I think it's sweet to tell people, I'm not good at this or I don't know but let me go ask, or let's, let's find it together um, and be okay with not knowing the answers. 
Number seven, meet people where they are. If it's clear that someone doesn't want to go deep, don't take them in the deep end yet. Um, so there'll be people in your rooms or on project that you'll meet and clearly, body language, everything is saying, I'm closed up, don't ask me that, maybe stiff arming you. Um, I wouldn't start out with rifle questions with them, <laughs> or anybody, but I wouldn't start out throwing them in the deep end of the pool just because you want to go deep with them. I would, again, be really patient um, and be kind and draw them out. Think of creative ways to draw them out. Bring them in a group of people and ask a group of people questions or do things like that. Um, and on the flip of that, I'd say don't avoid it either. Uh, I think our tendency is to, especially probably as a culture, but our tendency is to observe things in someone. So, oh gosh, she's not, she doesn't look like she wants me to ask this question. I guess, therefore, I won't ever ask her because then she'll be uncomfortable. I think we need to not fear or we need to repent of desiring comfort. Um, so I'd say don't avoid the question either, but definitely find the balance of how can I help him or her get to a point where they'd be okay answering this. Um, number eight, relate to them and validate. Um, use things like saying, man, that must have been really hard, or I totally understand where you're coming from, or gosh, that was awesome. Like you just you just dunked on that dude, and that was awesome. Like, relate to them in what they're saying, um, or anything like that. Or say things like, even, I would feel that way too. Like, that allows them to think, oh gosh, I have a friend and an advocate and someone that's walking alongside me that would say, I feel that way too. You're really frustrated? Man, I feel that way too. Let's pray about it. Like, come alongside them. Um, Number nine, use opportunities like studying the Bible together, getting a meal, sitting by yourselves at dinner, car rides, going for a walk, checking out market commons, doing laundry, um, to use all those things as opportunities to have a formal one-on-one. -on -one. So you're all at some point, hopefully you wash your clothes at some point during the summer. There's an excellent laundromat off of 17 that there's no Wi-Fi, it's really ugly on the inside, and literally it's primed for talking. <laughs> and doing laundry, like do both of them together. Or a car ride one-on-one. -on -one. If you're going to play basketball, use the car ride as the formal portion of your one-on-one -on -one and have questions you wanna ask them um, or things you wanna talk about. Or even get in the word together, and, but plan time at the front end or the back end to ask questions about how their week's going, how they're doing. Um, I'd say don't overthink in like formal one-on-one -on -one to be this structured one-hour counseling session somewhere. Um, use the things that you're doing, the common things. Um, and number 10, and I think the most important one and last one is pray. Um, pray before your one-on-ones, pray during your one-on-ones with people, and pray after your one-on-ones. Um, if we're trying to move people towards the cross, yet we know that we can't change hearts, why wouldn't we plead with God to change hearts? Um, I'm going to give two stories that uh, prayer um, that we've had at Northwestern. And it's crazy because I think this semester we've tried to pray probably more than, gosh, than any other time on staff, which might be sad. Um, but as a campus, we've been praying a lot. And one thing was around... Um, the winter, we decided we wanted to start praying for a number to come to Project from Northwestern. And we went around the circle with all our leaders and we came up with the number 42. And literally, like, Rita and I felt sick to our stomachs because we're like, oh gosh, like, there's no way. 
Like, there is no way. And I think most people in that room felt that way, too, of thinking, gosh, like, we had 25 last year on project, and it was huge, and we loved it. Um, so 42 feels insane. But through the entire semester, we've been praying at Leaders' Time, as our women's group, the men's D groups have been praying, and time and time again, asking, God, please give us 42 students. Literally, I don't know where they're going to come from, but give us 42 students. And this, I mean, as of this week, we have 50. And it's crazy, because it's not a work of anything that we did, but pleading with the Lord. Um, and I'm sure God's like, oh, Nikki, like, 42 is nothing for me. I'm going to give you 50. Um, another story was, there's a girl, uh, she's a freshman at Northwestern. She is super sassy, and I love her, and you'll meet her, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, so I'm not going to say her name. You'll figure it out. Um, she's awesome, and she even the fact that she was considering project was a work of the Lord to begin with, but then she had, um, at, she was like, I'm going to go ask my parents this weekend, and I thought, surely, your parents are both believers. They're going to be game for it, no problem, um, and she comes back, and she's super discouraged because her parents said, no way. You need to stay home. Gave her a list of about 10 things that why she needed to stay home. Um, and so we thought, man, like, it's done. Like, there's no way she can go. And she's going to have one more conversation with her mom. So the girls in my group have been praying for her. And I sent out this text because I knew this girl was going to go talk to her mom literally seconds after I texted this. And so I sent this text out in our group feed. And I was, can you pray for her? She's talking to her mom right now. And, you know, all the girls in the group are responding, praying, praying right now praying for this, and literally, I kid you not, 10 minutes later, she sends me a text and says, my mom had a change of heart. It was crazy. I don't know why. Mm. And, and I, like, it's silly that that shocked me, because we're asking a God that can move mountains to do things, and it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So pray. Pray and ask God for things for your room. Start praying now for your room. Um, but that's all I have. Uh, Lucas is going to come up. And then we'll do a Q&A at the end. So I get the fun part, informal one-on-ones. Um, not just informal. So my name is Lucas Cheka. I'm on staff at Bethel. Been on staff for one month. So <laughs> still figuring this staff thing out. Um, I went to school at the U of M. So I graduated a couple years ago, then I worked. And then my wife and I came on staff. So I'm going to pray for us, and then I'll jump right in. Father, um, I pray that my identity as I talk would be in, in you and what you've done on my behalf, rather than how well I gave a mini-talk. Um, and I pray that we would see the importance of informal time and how it helps us move others towards the cross. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as Nikki talked about formal one-on-ones, I'll be talking about informal. And a lot of you may have heard this analogy, but I'll share it. Some of you may not have, but the brick and mortar analogy. And so, see some smiles. Um, to build the relationship. So a wall, let's, I'll just share the analogy. So there's a wall. Um, to build a wall, you need brick and mortar. And so thinking about brick is formal time. Like the brick is like the main piece to build the walls, like the foundation, and the mortar is what keeps it together. And so formal time is like like what Nikki just talked about, a lot of a lot of depth, a lot of meat there, a lot of truth being spoken, one on ones, 
um, reading the Bible, sharing your testimony, doing maybe beach evangelism, there's more meat there, and then hanging out in formal time is mortar, is the mortar keeping the relationship more together. Um, and so, so I say that because they're both are needed, and um, my next section is, I have three, three reasons why informal time matters. And the first one um, is, is what Nikki said, informal time is an opportunity to move people towards the cross. Um, so it is an opportunity to move people towards the cross. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. It's Colossians 3.17. So if you're like me, I can tend to think, okay, we have formal time, that's holy. That's holy activities, reading the Bible, um, sharing my testimony, asking them what they believe about the gospel, and then playing pool ball or going thrift shopping. I'm really bad at girl analogy, so show me some grace. Um, but, and those things aren't as holy. Um, but my, my argument would be is that it does matter. Informal time does matter. Everything you do relates to God. And so um, this can be an opportunity to move people towards the cross. And mostly everyone, if not everyone, came down to decided on the project this summer to grow in their relationship with Christ and know Him more, to help people know Him more. And so informal time is another thing that helps us do that. Um, the second one is informal time unites God's people. Informal time unites God's people. Um, a lot of you may not know anyone in your room this summer, and so there's no <coughs> there's no relationship there. And that's where just relationships take time, um, trust takes time, and so informal time is really really helpful to help build a relationship, help build trust there. Um, it helps create unpressured time to have natural, extended conversation. It's like you're playing pool ball, and you could ask, hey, you like basketball? Um, did, you, did you play in high school? And so it's just easier. You don't feel as much pressure in a formal setting um, in some ways. Another one is it brings down barriers, and this is under point two. It brings down barriers and creates freedom. Um, so I'm just thinking through there's like like there's not as much pressure there. There's more freedom. Um, yeah. And then the third one, another reason why I think informal time matters is rest is good. Um, if you've been to project before, you know how intense it can be. You're having a lot of you're working, you're learning, you're having a lot of conversa- conversations with students, and so playing, having fun, resting is really important. And doing that with the girls or guys that you're investing your life into this summer. You want to do that. You want to combine that. Um, we are not God. He invented the Sabbath to remind us of that. So rest with your disciples or the guys that you're leading or girls. And then the next, I have six practicals for informal one-on-ones. The last two aren't really practicals, but I decided them anyway. <laughs> Just to keep the list going. The first one is do what they enjoy. So do what they enjoy. Um, shout out to Philippians, um, Philippians 2, 3. It says, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. And um, so when I hear that, I'm like, wow, that's, to count someone more significant than yourself, to count them 
their joy, what they you know, want, their needs greater than yours is really a miracle that happens in your heart. But we're here, we're, we're commanded to do that. So um, I have an example for you. My room leader, Summer, um, I had a guy named Billy Core in my room. And anyone, does anyone, raise your hand if you know Billy. But a lot of you know Billy. Um, he likes to dance a lot. And I don't. Which is great because you can see me. <laughs> and I don't like dancing. He wanted to dance, to do like a dance to ask like every girl's room and asked out that summer. And so at first I'm like, oh gosh, another dance. But at the end of it, like, I saw how excited he got, how it was uniting our room. Um, and the joy that he had in teaching us to dance and doing these different dances, like there was part of me like, oh, this isn't so bad. Like I'm enjoying this. Like I see his joy. That's increasing my joy. And so that's my other point under this first point is um, if I were a betting man, um, I would bet that I'm pretty sure that once you see like a person you're leading, their, their life to have more joy in an activity, like you're going to probably be, be joyful as well. You're your joy will also increase because they're joyful. Um, so that's the first one, is do what they enjoy. Second one is um, be on the lookout for informal teaching opportunities. Be on the lookout for informal teaching opportunities. Um, this is where a lot of growth can happen. I think a lot of times we um, students don't know what it looks like to be Christian in everyday life to life, life on life type of lifestyle. And so we can think, hey, what it means to be a Christian is to go to church, to read my Bible. Um, but for example, let's say you're you're playing pool ball. Um, I use pool ball as a lot of examples. <laughs> in the face and you're just pissed off you're like this guy I'm pretty sure you're probably not going to cuss him out that usually doesn't happen on Friday let's say that you say some kind of comment to bring him down um, because you're upset you're angry at them but I think a great opportunity there would be to repent in front of in front of a, a guy that you're leading or a girl that you're leading I don't know if girls are elbowing each other in the face and pool ball. But um, one, I think it's good for you to bring that to the Lord and repent. And then two, it's like it's helpful for them to see, okay, this guy who's leading me, he's sinful. And he's showing me what it looks like to be a Christian. And that's running to the cross. Like, I, I need Christ. Like, I was in sin here against this person. I lashed out at them. Um, and so I think that another I, mean, I could go on and on but sharing the gospel with someone you have your formal evangelism training you go to the beach and share the gospel but a lot of times you're doing things like you're on the beach throwing a frisbee and say some random dude maybe he's drunk or he wants to play frisbee with you too um, one time that we went to cash our checks at a bank and this old lady, old lady asked us to uh, she wanted to pay us like two dollars to come to her house, house and pull weeds and so I brought my whole room with us, and we just pulled weeds at her home, and then we got to share the gospel with her. And so that wasn't planned, like formal time, but that was just informal time where the gospel was um, preached to someone's life and in front of them. And so just be on the lookout for informal teaching opportunities. Three is invite them with you. 
invite them with you. Um, everything that you do in project, so there's a lot of overlap. Like if you need to do your laundry, I'm pretty sure the guys or girls in your room probably need to do their laundry too. And so invite them to go with you. Go grocery shopping together. Just thinking about trying to do things together as a room gets more relational time, more building um, a friendship there, especially at the beginning when you don't even know um, the people in your room very well. And so you're probably going to make need to make Walmart room. I mean, a Walmart run. So do that together. Fourth is I just have a lot of examples of what you can do on projects as far as informal time, but I thought it might be helpful since a lot of you have been on project was if you guys just shouted some out, some examples that have been fun for you or helpful for you. The arcade at the basketball game. Okay. Yeah, I was addicted to that. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> painters. Painters? Yeah, painters oh, is, right, painters. is right across the road. A lot of putt putt. That's putt putt? Yeah, putt putt is great. Yeah, you can do the Ruger runs. Ruger runs. Ruger runs. Yeah, what is that? Yeah. You know exactly what a Ruger run is. A Ruger. Oh. You said Ruger. Never mind, never. Okay, we'll get it. I knew that. Yeah, it's like the actual first sports. Yeah. Rock you in the NBA finals. For the NBA finals. Playing sports. NHL. Market Commons. Market Commons, yeah. What would you do at Market Commons? Like walk around or go chilling, Barnes and Noble yeah. or shop. Or yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, I could keep going on. A really easy one is go to the pier, super close. Yeah, yeah. The pier. Yeah. Look at the sharks. Yes. Jump off the pier. It's kind of going through that. Uh, funny story. My first summer, they, um, I was never on the pier before. So a group of us, my room, ran out to the pier just in our swimming trunks, since we didn't have a shirt or sandals on, and the owner came out and started swearing at us, like, what are you doing? Get off the pier. If you jump off, I'm going to call the cops. I'm like, you'd have to pay me to jump off the pier, but apparently people have jumped off the pier in the past, and so he thought we were going to jump off them. So don't jump off the pier. You're going to go to jail, and you might get eaten by sharks. I think some more examples are... Um, Play, like play basketball or volleyball, if I could mention that. Um, go see a movie. Avengers is coming out next week. Probably during the summer. Great movie. Um, go for a run or a walk on the beach. Get a tan. Um, Barnes and Noble is great. I love. I'm like off. I love to go to Barnes and Noble and just read. Just even reading with someone next to you, you're having shoulder shoulder to shoulder time. Um, go to Charleston. Charleston. That's actually, I don't know about that. Sorry, that's far. No, it's far, but it's far. Um, arcade games, I So my fifth one, well, these last two aren't so much practical, but I think they're helpful to know. It's just have fun. Um, have fun with the guys or girls that you're investing your, your lives into the summer in. Um, don't think, okay, i got to do informal time now. i got to do it. This is just part of part of my role. Like, just have fun with them. Enjoy them. And that kind of goes into point one. Do what they enjoy. And hopefully you will have joy in their joy. And so just enjoy them. Don't worry about doing it perfectly. Just go running if you hate running. That's I would do something with them that they're going to enjoy. So have fun. And then six is you're going to, you've heard this a lot. You probably 
hear this a lot more. I think Eric is giving a talk on this, but you're free to fail. So even in your formal one-on-ones and your informal one-on-ones, you're not going to do it perfectly. And um, there's probably going to be awkward relational time um, with a guy or a girl. And so just expect that to come. And then lastly, I would say that most of us in this room, I mean everyone in this room, will naturally lean towards more formal time or more informal time. And so just be aware of your tendency. My tendency is informal time. Like I could play pool ball with a guy every day. And so know that and be intentional towards the other direction. Okay, if this guy played pool ball with him for 14 days straight, I probably should. Okay, don't do that. But I probably should, you know, ask him to get lunch and do what Nikki was talking about and ask, ask him about his life, how he, I mean, where he's from, where he grew up, what, what that was like, read the Bible. And so, or if you're the other way, all you do is really um, just intentional conversations. That can get really heavy for a student. So go throw a frisbee, have fun with them. Um, and that's all I have. And so I'll, I'll invite Nikki back up for a QA. I think we have. Does anyone know when this workshop ends? 40, 40, 10 minutes. So we have 10 minutes. We'll give you guys some time to walk back as well. But does anyone have any questions on either of those? Formal or informal time? Would you suggest getting meals for formal time? Or actually, or time? Which one of that category that's in? I think either. I mean, sometimes, kind of how I'll use my schedule. So you have two meals a week of everybody. Um, I sometimes think project meals are a good opportunity to gather as many people as I can. So sometimes I'll think, oh gosh, I want to gather Northwestern girls. I'm going to ask them all to eat together on Monday or Thursday. Um, and then some of the other meals, I'll try to think. One great way to do something is cook for people. That's like an easy way to bless. Like any any person on project, if you're like, let me cook your meal. Then, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever days we don't have, getting a meal with someone's great. And I think it can be formal or informal, depending on how many people are there. I think you can do formal one-on-ones with more than one person, too. I wouldn't err towards that. But if you know somebody in your room that is really not comfortable getting one-on-one time with you, take both people and ask them both questions um, and use it as a way to build up towards getting to the point where you could have a one-on-one um, or could be asking uh, rifle-style questions, potentially. Can I answer your question? One thing that's been challenging in some of my times on project is like knowing not just what to do, but like when to do it with students. Like, because there's, you go to work, you come back, you eat food, you have a training time, like, maybe what are, some ways for you guys and maybe for you guys too if you've been in this position to like how how can you kind of get time with people in the busy project schedule? Formal or both? Yeah, I guess either. So I mean I think a great opportunity for more formal and just getting in the word with a guy in the morning or girl in the morning before work. I mean also no your room, some people hate the mornings, and so just think for them. I think it'd be helpful for a guy that hates the morning for them to get up every now and then, but every day, just be aware. But um, also, I think there's gaps after work and before, like that, 
that night, like whether it's a social or a game talk, there's usually like a couple hour gap and a meal together. That's a great opportunity to get some time, more form formal time with the guy. Um, informal time, I think there's just, there's Saturday, big part of the day off, Sunday, Wednesday, but even outside of that, like there's just a lot of natural informal time on projects, like after work, um, after a social, there are people playing, or even after any talk, there's just free time. So that makes me think, I didn't really mention this, but I mentioned it in my last one, was that there's, there's planned, there, you can have planned informal time and unplanned. There's gonna be a lot of unplanned form, informal time, but also thinking through planning, like okay, these groups, this group of guys, they like basketball. Let's go play five on five this Sunday. Um, so there's, there, you'll have chunks throughout the week that you're gonna have a lot more time maybe to do informal things. Um, but yeah, there's also it's just getting to know your schedule too. But what do you think? I mean, that's great. Yeah, I think you're knowing your schedule. Like I'd encourage you that you get those like weekly planner things. For an unstructured person, that thing is amazing. Like, plan in when you go to work, when you come home, and don't overthink. Like, sometimes I thought, oh gosh, I need an hour and a half with each person, and we need to get somewhere quiet and really get away. That's not what you need to do every time. Maybe you do that one time, but if it's even a half hour, 45 minutes, you can easily get time with them throughout the week and think, you can even start thinking like, okay, what's something that they or I need to do? Okay, we laundry or groceries, you know, maybe a Walmart run. So, okay, I'll ask her, and then on the way there, and then we'll stop and swing by McDonald's and get a cup of ice cream, or something like that. Like, how can you work in a need into what you need to do? Um, or, you know, you, you need to get in the word, you need to eat. There's a lot of things. Or if they're in your room, go back to your room at some point and talk if no one's in there. What is like a good way to balance what you need with what they need? Because I feel like if you have people all in your room that are really different from you and you're constantly doing things that they enjoy, which is great, it just sometimes feels really draining. Yeah. And so yeah. like what are ways, like for example, yeah. if I have a room full of girls who don't like to work out, like to me that is a great need. Like, like, I, like, like I have to seven times a week I work out like it otherwise I won't function. And it just like where's the balance and what's like what's wrong with that? That's a great question. I think that well, there's a lot of different I have a lot of different thoughts. Like one a lot of the summer is gonna be dying to yourself, which is a good thing. Now, would I say, you know, it is, this usually comes in line with like the introvert and extrovert. If you're an introvert and you're constantly doing extroverted things, I would also say, go take some time and work out. Take an, an evening, take it off. Go for a run, get time by yourself, drive to a coffee shop, sit by yourself. Sit in silence in a car is heavenly. <laughs> like, pray, pray like crazy when you're by yourself. Um, so there's, I think the balance is, checking your heart and I think even your um, team leader or your staff partner is a good person to ask like hey how how do you think I've been balancing this this week or even ask someone you know your team leader or your staff pair or Sarah Janice you know to say hey can you ask me every week 
how my heart's doing, if I'm being selfish, like check, you know, my ratio. Because there I don't think there's a clear cut answer, like a black and white. I think everybody in this room is really different on what they need. But I'd say if you could err to the side of what Lucas was saying, like not having selfish ambition but consider others more valuable than yourselves, like err towards that for the summer while walking, you know, in the truth. And there is something to be said about, like, bringing people along your walk with the Lord that feels really natural, and that's more of a picture than discipleship than thinking, like, oh, Jamari, I have this curriculum for you. Like, and then, Dan, your curriculum's really different from Jamari's, and I'm a teacher. Um, but think more, how can I bring us all together and walk together in what I'm already doing? So it might not be running, but it might be, well, you have to get in the Word today. She does, too. Or, you know, there's no natural overlap. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel as, like, a constant session. Is that yeah. a, a, yeah. My natural tendency was to be efficient, and and that's not always relational. And so I know my, our staff team, Arunana, Arunana then asked me, did you get to, together with people two or three times this week where you died yourself or you weren't as productive? But you definitely invested in them more than you would have. So I'm a head of people on the account. Dude, your staff partner is going to help you with talk. Kayla's your staff partner. <laughs> yeah, I would add, I mean, that was all really good. And even to double click on the point of take some time for yourself. Like, in a sense, of do what you enjoy that's restful because mm-hmm. it's two months. Two months isn't a long time, but going 100% all the time for two months can be really draining. We don't want you guys to get burnt out. So take a day, I mean, half a day or whatever, and just maybe go. For me, a lot of times when I was, my last couple of projects, I just went to Barnes & Noble and I read it. And that was just really restful for me, where I was just refueled. And so think of think of that as well. Would anyone else add anything to that? Damn. Let me have what you just said. Like, I think there can be this, like, pressure that students can feel on project because they think the staff are like going, 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 going. And then what does it mean for you guys as student leaders to like pour out like all the time, never take a break. And like then comes July, the staff leave and all the leaders are just exhausted. And you guys don't see us like playing in the pool at points while you're at work. Like we do have our staff <laughs> training like that, but seriously like, though, though you, you see the staff at the most like intense moments because we've been resting in the times where you've been working. So it's kind of like flipped a little bit. So just know that it's you really need to be taking some time for yourself or your soul, or you will be burnt out at the end of the summer. And so just don't see the staff as a, falsely as these people that just keep going, 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 because what you see like isn't what's always going on. Okay. We're right staff training, we have like two or three, well, probably two or three hours in the afternoon. I'm laying out. You can lay out. I can kill her tan. Playing the pool. Build sandcastles. You know what I mean? Playing the pool. Perfect Well, it's 1040. I mean, 1140. So I'll let you guys go. I think we have lunch soon. Maybe one more talk. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. 
For more information, we invite you to visit us online at campusoutreach.org.